0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. I'm not a gambler. Uh, Maybe because I don't consider myself to be particularly lucky. Uh, Also, I don't like to lose money, uh, especially on things that I can't predict and can't control, like, I don't know, a college basketball game. Um, March Madness responsibly, y'all. Ugh. No, but I do, I do enjoy the, the rare, low stakes, among friends, game of cards. And don't get me wrong, I mean, it's, there's, there's totally luck involved in the dealing of the cards and how all of that works. But what I like is that after that, it becomes a little bit more a game of skill. It's something where you have to, you have to look at what you have, and you have to determine its value. And you've got to you've got to try and figure out based on what everybody else is doing what what what's the value of what else is out there, and you use that to to try and try and make the best decision and try to try to win the game. But the thing is about cards is that you you know that even even if you you have high value in your hand. Even if you are are very confident in your hand, you can never really know for sure. And and in every game, you get to that point where you just have to make a decision and you have to push all of your chips into the table. You have to be willing to stake the entire outcome on thinking that what you have is the most valuable thing. And the difficult thing about that that is that you never quite know. You can be pretty confident Like, you can be pretty sure, but you never know for sure that what you have is the most valuable thing. And, you know, leaving card games and and stuff like that aside, you know, all of us have these moments in our lives, every single one of us, where we have the opportunity to make a life-altering decision, where, where something that is going to impact just the rest of our lives, and we have to decide whether we're going to push our chips all in or not yeah. am I in the right job? am I supposed to be in this relationship is my family supposed to move to this place are we supposed to take advantage of this other opportunity am I, am, I, am I supposed to am I supposed to continue on doing this thing or that am I, am I supposed to what, what, what Every single one of us has these feelings, asking us questions about jobs, relationships, parenting decisions, the future. I think it's safe to say that some of us are asking these questions even walking in here this morning. Is this the right thing for me? Is this going to lead me to the life that ultimately I want to live? And we know that whichever way we choose, once we we push our chips into the table, there's, there's no going back. This morning, we are in the last week of our series, Jesus, Liar or Legit, and we're continuing our walk through the gospel of Luke. And, and we've seen Jesus in this series. We've seen him push back against the judgmental elite of his day. And we've seen Jesus just kind of flip ideas on their heads of, of, of what it means to be blessed and, and who can be a contributor to, to his mission, even, even who is able to be forgiven. we've seen Jesus perform miracles. We've seen him validate people who who showed even the tiniest bit of faith in him. And all of it has been leading us to this moment, to this question that Jesus is going to ask his followers today and really, by extension, ask all of us. It's one of those all-in moments. It's one of those you have to push your chips into the middle of the table kind of questions it's a question that we have been implicitly asking in the title of this series all along. Who do you say I am? Look with me at Luke chapter nine. We're gonna be starting in verse 18. It says, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who did the crowd say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Now the crowds that Jesus references here, they've gotten massive at this point. I mean, thousands of people show up wherever wherever Jesus is teaching, wherever he's performing miracles, and and everybody's trying to figure out who this guy is. Everybody's trying to get a read on this. It's kind of like whenever there's a TV show out there that gets really popular because there's some mystery involved. Like there's something that everybody everybody wants to know how it's going to pan out. And everybody, you know, you you know that this is like a big phenomenon when like everybody is talking about it. You hear people like talking about it outside your cubicle, outside your office at work or in the break room and everybody's talking about it and you're not even watching the show, but you're just getting annoyed and you just kind of now feel like you have to watch the show because everybody is talking about it and everybody's got a theory about what's going on and what's and what's happening and you're just like, just stop it. And, and, and some people, they think about, you know, maybe it's something like really reasonable that's going on. Maybe it's really logical, and then there are other people probably spend too much time on the internet, and they come up with the crazy theories about things that are going on. And we all kind of want that to be right because we're all a little bit crazy inside. And so we're we're, we're it's it, Jesus has he he's been out doing this, and people are coming. He says he says he asks his disciples, you know what what are people what are people saying about me and and. Somebody throws out, you know, some people are saying you're John the Baptist and that's already an out there idea because yes, Jesus, he taught some similar things to John the Baptist. John was preparing the way for Jesus to come and, but, but it was pretty public knowledge that John the Baptist has been executed. So for Jesus to have been John the Baptist, that, like the conspiracy theory engine would have had to have been running. Like the message boards are going, it's like, it's not really John, like it's, it's John, that's who it is and, and that's a little bit nuts but that's the tamest idea like of what they suggest here. Like Some people out there are saying that you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets, somebody who's been dead for hundreds of years, and and, and I don't know if they're thinking that he's like a reincarnated version of that, or that that person actually like got up out of their grave and walked out and decided to start like teaching and doing miracles again, I don't know, but long story short, people are thinking some pretty crazy things are going on with Jesus. And these are the answers that they give. And I, you know, I got to think that they're, because these are like the flattering answers. Like these are the things that, you know, whenever somebody asks you, hey, what do people think of me? You don't tell them the bad stuff. Like you tell them the good stuff. Like people think really nice things, Jesus. But you got to figure like somebody, one of the disciples, like, I don't know, maybe Judas or something was like kind of raising his hand in the corner going, some people think you're a fraud. (sighs) Maybe a con artist. Maybe not everything that you say you are. And it doesn't tell us this, but I, I believe that people were saying that kind of stuff too, because we're asking this same question today: Who is Jesus? And people are answering the same kind of ways. Some people say that he's a good teacher. You know, he he is he's somebody who wanted to help people know how to love others better. Some people say that he was a prophet. 1.8 billion Muslims on this planet believe that Jesus was a prophet, that he was a special messenger from God. And some people think he was a liar, people think he was some religious just nut. Who, who, was, who was overzealous, who you know, made the wrong people mad, walked into an early death, and then his followers just deified him and that they created this whole religion that, that those people would say has really done more harm than good ever since. Now what I'm about to say, it may be a little surprising for some, but what happens next, what's said here about Jesus next is actually further out there than all of that. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? Now, the text doesn't tell us this, but I believe that, and so you can, know you, you can disagree with me if you want, but I believe that there was a long, silent pause before the disciples answered this question. I asked the tech team if they could like get me like a, a cricket sound effect so that, so that that could like give us like an idea. Guys, can you play the cricket sound effect for me? Matt, Matt gets pictures of his books, like every book that he read over the last like two months. I can't get it. A... All right, well, picture with me <clears throat> that it gets really quiet. And the disciples kind of look around at each other. And no, maybe a couple of them are thinking it, but nobody really wants to say what they're thinking. Because to say this, I mean, to, to say this, it would be pushing their chips all into the table. To say what some of them were thinking, what some of them were believing. I mean, yeah, they'd heard him teach, they'd seen him perform miracles, but this, this was a game changer. Because once they said that they believed this, once they really put words to it, there was no going back. Whether it was right or whether it was wrong, they could never go back to being what they were before they had said that they believe it. And Peter answered God's Messiah. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. The Messiah, or the Christ, is the word that we get from the Greek. This was a figure that was foretold throughout the Jewish scriptures, what we today call the Old Testament. Starting in the book of Genesis Genesis, and all through their teaching and their history, it speaks of this one predicted who would come from God to redeem his people. He was coming to bind up the brokenhearted and to fight for the oppressed and to comfort the mourning. And even to invite those who are far away from God to know and to follow him. And Jesus, he fleshes it out even a little further with his disciples. He was coming to suffer. He was coming to be killed, intentionally killed. As we learn about in other places of scripture, killed for the sins and the disobedience of the world. Killed because of the things that have separated us from God killed to offer grace and forgiveness and mercy to anybody who would want to find it and that he would then be raised again, that he would conquer death, that he would defeat it on our behalf and give us the opportunity to spend eternity with him. I mean, the people, they had had teachers before, they had had prophets before, they'd even had miracle workers before. They were anxiously awaiting. God's Messiah. And to say that Jesus was God's Messiah, God's sent one come to save them, this was the ultimate pushing your chips into the table. I mean, if you believed this, if you believed it of this man, you couldn't come back from that. You were staking your future on it being true. Because if it was true, if this was the son of God here in front of you, then you should go wherever it is he tells you to go. And you should do whatever it is he is telling you to do. It is the ultimate of making your life all in on him being who you believed he was. Jesus, he asked this question. And it's a question that extends from his disciples back then all the way through history, and it's in front of us today. Who do we say he is? Is he a liar? Is he legit? I'm gonna be straightforward with you here for a second. And this is something like, I was in a planning meeting earlier this week and I think one or two of my coworkers' jaws kind of like opened up whenever I said it this way. But if Jesus is a liar, Like if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, if if he wasn't God's Messiah, if he wasn't the son of God, God made flesh, both fully human and fully God, who died on a cross to offer us forgiveness, to offer us grace. If he was a liar and he wasn't any of those things, then you should leave here this morning and never come back. I mean, not like right now because I'm in the middle of talking, it'd be kind of rude. But seriously, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then we don't have anything for you. We're gonna talk to you about ways to live your life that don't matter at all if Jesus wasn't the son of God. But the flip side to that question or the answer to that question, it's not really any easier. Because see, if Jesus wasn't a liar, then it means he was the son of God. And it means that he's asking us to push all of the chips of our life in on him. And that we should be willing to go wherever it is that he tells us to go. And we should be willing to do whatever it is that he tells us to do. It is the all-in question that trumps every other all-in question. All of our other big decisions in life get defined by the way we answer this question. And Jesus is asking us, who do we say he is? Now, Jesus was a very good person, and I don't believe that he was just that, but I do believe that he was absolutely that and so with Jesus there was no bait and switch here he he wanted there to be no misconceptions about who he was and what he was calling us to do He, he didn't come out and say hey I'm gonna I'm gonna die for you I'm gonna I'm gonna give up my life for you I'm gonna offer you forgiveness and grace and mercy like and and not tell us any of of what it might mean for us like like what what it would be calling us to do In the same conversation he's having with his disciples, in Luke 9, 23, he says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Die to themselves daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? This part of the passage is so important because Jesus, his all in question, is he liar, is he legit? It's it's such a difficult one to go all in on. It's such, you know, we we value him, but do we value him enough to stake our entire lives on it that he knows people are gonna wanna hedge their bets? Like, you don't, you don't want to answer, I think that Jesus is a liar and be wrong. You know, I, I, I don't want to be someone who, who says that, you know, okay, he says he's the son of God. He says he died for my sins. He says that he's offering me grace and forgiveness and heaven for eternity. Like, I don't want to say he's a liar on that and be wrong. Like, I, I'm going to say, yes, I, I believe it. I want that. But... I mean, maybe on the off chance that it's not true. Maybe, maybe just on the chance that this is the only life I, I have, you know? I get, I get these number of years here. Well, then, you know, maybe I, I don't want to let my acceptance of that really cost me too awful much here. Like, maybe I just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep working in, in the job or the kind of jobs that I want to work. I'm going to keep pursuing, you know, the pleasures of life that I want to pursue. I'm going to seek fulfillment out of my life. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep looking out for myself. I'm going to keep looking out for me. I'm going to try and gain the life that I want to have. I'll, I'll take care of myself in the here and now. And, yeah, I trust my eternity to, my eternity to Jesus. I'll let him deal with that. You might not think of yourself as someone who is maybe hedging your bets when it comes to Jesus, but if, if you live a life that hasn't really pushed your chips into the table and said, I'll go where he goes, I'll do what he says, practically, that's what we're doing. And Jesus says that isn't going to work. <laughs> Whoever wants to follow him has to give themselves up has to die to themselves, to your wants, to your desires every single day, and to go all in on him. Trying to live, the, you know, having the good life here, which I mean, it means different things to all of us. Having more money, or happiness, or relationships, or fame, job satisfaction, education, whatever it might be, any of those being what we are pursuing, any of those being our end goal, Again, not saying that those are bad things, but any of those things being our end goal. And Jesus says, you're trying to save your own life and it's gonna end in failure. And you might say, why? I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. Like, that sounds like a pretty good life. Well, yeah, you know what? It may be a good year or 10 years or or if, if all of the cards fall your way, maybe it's a really good 80 years of life but it's a blip on the screen in compared to eternity. It is, in comparison to eternity, 80 years is nothing and if you pursue those things with the limited time that you have here, you're gonna end up with nothing to show for it. Jesus says if you deny chasing after those things of the world with this life and spend your life about becoming more like me and helping other people to know and follow me, The life that you give up is really the life that you're saving. And does it mean sacrificing some things? Absolutely it does. But that's because it doesn't profit you anything to hold on tightly to something that you're never gonna be able to keep. That's why I said that this all-in moment Jesus gives us, it's the all-in moment that defines every other all-in moment that we might face. Every other big decision that might come our way gets defined by this. And and hear me, folks, there's freedom in this. There's freedom in this because once you get the answer to this question, do I believe that Jesus is the son of God? Am I pushing all my chips into the table and saying I'm following him no matter what? Like once you do that, all of the other tough questions of life have a framework for how to answer them. It doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna be clear. It doesn't even mean that they're gonna be easy, but you know how to answer the questions. You know, am I in the right job? Well, is is this job about making my own life better or is it about honoring Christ with the abilities he's given me? Is it about me gaining more recognition for myself or is it about giving me a platform to tell other people about Jesus? You know, if I've got a couple opportunities in front of me, which one of these is going to is going to stretch me more and help me grow in my faith and help other people walk and walk alongside him? Am I in the right relationship? Well, does this relationship honor Jesus? Is this person going to draw me closer to Jesus or is this person going to make that harder for me? Which which of those am I going to do for them? You know, should our family pursue this, you know, whatever the opportunity may be? Well, do, does, does it give you opportunities to go share Jesus with others and, and be a light in this world? And are you taking those opportunities? Or is it, is it something that, that's pulling you away from that? Does it hurt our ability to connect with Jesus and to grow in our faith? And you may be like, wow, Todd, that's all really like religiously centered questions. Like, what am I supposed to do? Is my whole life just supposed to be about Jesus now? That's the difference between a faith like the one that Jesus describes and one that's still living to try and gain the world. That's what being all in looks like the questions that matter the most are how does this impact my walk with Jesus? How does it impact my ability to help others know and follow Jesus? And according to Jesus, that's really the only way to be his follower. It's pushing your chips all into the table and saying I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is the son of God and I want him to be the Lord, the guide, the king, the best friend, the boss of my life. The reason that everybody has to answer the question, who do you say that I am, is that we're staking our lives, our eternity on the answer to it. Now I want to acknowledge that this is, I mean, this is a big question. This is a big question and the answer isn't easy, especially if it means some major shifts in the way some of us live. And you might even think, you know, this question's a little bit unfair. Like, uh, yeah, sure, the disciples, they could they could push their chips all in on Jesus. They got to sit with him. They got to listen to his teaching. <laughs> they got to watch him perform miracles. Like, they they, wa- they watched this guy walk on water. Of course they could push their chips in the table. If my daughter's, you know, stuffed animal started jumping up and running around the room on its own, I might have some religious thoughts about that too. <sighs> you gotta remember that most of the people thought that Jesus was just another prophet, another miracle worker, not the Messiah. It wasn't even until after some of Jesus' closest followers had made this confession that a few of them, a few of them got hard proof A few verses later in chapter nine, we see that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, three of his disciples, up on a mountain, and Jesus shows up bright as like white lightning in front of him, and he's standing there, and he's having a conversation with Moses and Elijah, which if you don't know your biblical timeline, guys who had died hundreds of years before Jesus lived, and then, in the, you know, the big booming voice out of the cloud, which I can't do because God gave me this voice instead. You know, this big booming voice out of a cloud, you know, says, this is my son, listen to him. And yeah, that about do it for most of us, right? <laughs> but even those followers, you know, Peter, he was there with them. And then whenever Jesus was put on trial, which we'll see later on in the book of Luke, Peter denied that he was even his follower, You know, these other disciples who were there, who got to witness this, after Jesus had been executed on that cross, they thought the the whole thing was up, it was all over, and they went back to their old fishing jobs. it wasn't until the resurrection of Jesus that everything changes. It's actually the most pivotal moment in human history. It's what everything in the book of Luke has been going towards. Next, next week, we're starting our, our, our last and our, fi- our final series in the, in the book of Luke. It's called Endgame, and the whole idea is that this whole book, the whole story has been pointing to this moment of Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's one thing that I would ask you. If, you are, if you're on the fence about whether or not Jesus is liar or legit, I would encourage you, look at the resurrection, because something happened 2,000 years ago that every single one of us has to reconcile. Something happened 2,000 years ago that changed the course of history, and you've, you've got to consider what that was. You know, some, if, if, if it wasn't true, if they, if they made up this thing, you know, there, there was an empty tomb if there hadn't been an empty tomb, then 2,000 years ago, whenever they said this, this Jesus person has risen from the dead, they could have like proved that false in about five minutes. Like, they could have said, okay, well, let's go to the grave. Nope, still there. Religion over yeah, but but they but they couldn't and they didn't the reason luke gives so many names in his gospel when he's talking about the miracles that jesus performed he wanted people to go ask go ask this person did jesus heal your son go ask this person did jesus really do that for your daughter and these people they could have snuffed it out from the beginning but they didn't because it happened Something happened 2,000 years ago that led this group of lowly, uneducated fishermen to start a worldwide movement and not one that was based on like military conquest, but one that was based on radical love for others. Something happened 2,000 years ago that led these men to be willing to die for this, something that they of anyone would have known to be false if it wasn't true. You know, there aren't a ton of things in my life that I would be willing to die for, but I can tell you that a lie that gains me nothing is absolutely not one of them. Something happened that led one of the the greatest enemies of the beginning of this movement, a killer of Christians named Paul, to change from being an enemy to being its, its greatest sharer and supporter. Something happened that led this message of forgiveness and grace and mercy and eternity with Jesus. Something happened that led this to move forward for 2,000 years to where we're talking about it today. Even sometimes in spite of those who say that they're followers of Jesus and us not showing the love and the grace and the forgiveness that we have been shown. I mean, maybe we don't get to see Jesus performing miracles right in front of us, but there were people who saw it who never believed. And we've got 2,000 years of evidence that this was not just a man, but that he was the son of God. And we're being asked to push all of our chips into the table. Who do you say he is? And if you're here this morning and you're on the fence about that, I don't know if Jesus is liar or legit or if you're watching online with us today, hear me say, I am so glad, I am so grateful, I am honored that you're here with us, that you're asking questions, and we would love to help you with that. If you're here with us after service, come and talk to one of our our Connect team, the folks who will be in the purple shirts, they'll be down front, they'll be in the lobby, they would love to talk to you, just Walk up to them and say, or if you're watching online, send us, send us a message, send us an email and say, I don't know if Jesus is liar or legit, but, but I've got questions. And we would love to walk alongside you with those. And for others of us in the room, maybe, maybe you believe, but you've never really pushed your chips in. I mean, maybe, maybe you're even a baptized believer, a regular church attender, but when you're, you're sitting there and you're feeling this conviction, that no, I haven't really turned my life over to him, I haven't, I haven't really stopped trying to gain the world in my life. If that's you, I mean, why not today? Why not let today be the day that, that you say, I want to live my life completely, totally all in for Jesus? You know, we, we developed these core actions as a church to try and help you with that. Just some things to help you, help you evaluate your life, do some, do some assessment of your life. Not things to make you feel guilty. Not things to make you feel like, oh, this is, this is how I, I need to live better and be a better person. No, these are things that are just to help you see, it's like, have I pushed my chips all in or am I still holding something back? You know, are you connecting you know, if you're, if you're here worshiping, if you're listening online and you're connecting with God, have you connected with others? You know, have you, have you connected with other followers of Jesus who can help you grow like in our life groups? If not, let us help you find one. If you're connecting, are you serving? Are you helping all of the kids and the students that walk into this place every week? Are you helping them get to know him a little bit better? Are you helping the other adults? Are, 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 you, are you connecting with our local and our global missions partners and really be in the hands and feet of Jesus? Are are you giving? Are you looking at the resources that God has given you, not just as a blessing for your own life, but as an opportunity for you to help other people know about Jesus? If you're connecting and serving and giving, are you inviting? And And I don't mean just like walking up to a stranger's door and knocking on it and inviting them to church, even though it may be that, but are you putting your arm around the people that God has put in your life and saying, man, I, we come up to these big decisions, these big like life-altering decisions in life. You know how I make them? It's because I follow Jesus. And it, it gives me the freedom to know what decisions to make. And are, are you saying, hey, you've got questions. Why don't you come meet some people in my church? Come meet some people in my life group. Let us, you know, help answer some of your questions. Let me show you why I've given my life to serving. Let me show you why I give to help others. And invite them to come be a part of it. If any of those are steps that you could take forward, that you could could move in today, I I invite you to do that. Grab the cards on the seat back in front of you. Fill those out. Stop, talk to our Connect team. Again, if you're watching online, send us an email. We would love to help you take steps to grow and to really push your chips all in for Jesus. And you know, we don't wanna just do this as individuals. We wanna be a church that lives us out together too. We believe that denying ourselves doesn't just happen at the individual level. We believe that it happens as, as a community of faith together, us growing together. And we want to take the message of Jesus out into the world so that more and more people can hear about him and can know him and know that they're loved by him and follow him. We wanna go wherever it is that he is calling us to go so that we can help more people become like Christ. And it's because of that, Pastor Matt's gonna come out here. I don't know which direction he's gonna come from. Pastor Matt's gonna come out here, and he's gonna gonna share with us a little bit about some challenges and opportunities that God has put in front of us to help reach more people with the message of Jesus in Plainfield.